0: Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. In this episode, we're going to be discussing a newer treatment option called TMS. Transcranial magnetic stimulation. One of my goals with this podcast is to share with you the breadth of treatment tools that we have available to treat various mental health conditions like depression. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with an expert in TMS, Dr. Tammy Chin. Dr. Chin received her medical degree and completed her general adult psychiatry residency training at UCSF. Since completing training in 2014, she has been with Bay Psychiatric Associates as part of their TMS service in the Berkeley Outpatient Division, and the inpatient service at Alta Bates Medical Center. We'll talk about how TMS works. We'll debunk some of the myths about it being a scary treatment option. We'll review the different types of conditions it's been known to treat and give you some directions if you want to consider it for yourself. I chose this topic both because TMS is relevant and newer treatment tool, but also because I recently had a patient who's done so well with it her depression, which had been quite debilitating, resolved, and she's thriving now. So listen here for my interview with Dr. Chin. Thank you so much for for being here today on the podcast, Tanya. I really, really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Great. Well, so let's just kind of dive right into things. We're talking about TMS today. Let's just start with the basics of what is TMS? What does it even stand for? What is it? And how did you become interested in it as a
1: treatment tool? TMS is short for transcranial magnetic stimulation. It's been around, uh, it's newer than medications, but it's a very exciting, more recent than uh, medication options. And what it is, it's basically an application of an electromagnet that creates a magnetic field and we can apply the magnetic field that the device is creating to different locations of the brain in order to modify how the brain functions. And in terms of a psychiatric illness, when we can modify different functions of the brain, we can modify symptoms of psychiatric illness. And how did you become interested in in this treatment tool? It's exciting because when when you see a patient for a long time, sometimes the kind of classic pillars of psychiatric treatment, psychotherapy and psychiatric medications, is not enough for some patients. So this technology came out for patients to provide them another option. And in terms of the how it's practiced, it's a lot funner for me on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing to sit in a room and talk through psychotherapy or medications of patients. And then it's another to be able to get up and use your hands and walk around the room and do a procedure with a patient, which I think is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So it's it's kind of very interventional.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the umbrella term for the newer, more kind of procedural based interventions, TMS, ketamine, and ECT, which is not that new, but... These three kind of fall under the umbrella of interventional psychiatry, as some people call it.
0: Great. And and so what are some of
1: the conditions that TMS is helpful for? And there are many. The most common psychiatric condition is non-psychotic, unipolar treatment-resistant depression. That's the most common. That's the most well-studied. That's how TMS started clinically studying this. The fda has two other approvals for TMS, obsessive compulsive disorder and smoking cessation. But there are a lot of off label uses for TMS, which has been shown to be effective as well. Things like bipolar depression, neuropathic pain, most classically, scarf migraines, dystonia, tinnitus, auditory hallucination.
0: That's a lot of different, different targets.
1: Yeah, yeah, different locations of the brain. And I am guessing that. The longer TMS is around, and the more popular it gets, I'm guessing they'll probably find other indications for it as well.
0: And and so you you said that the main one is probably depression, and I think it's it's so valuable to have this as a tool. And one of the reasons we're talking about it now is, of course, because depression is so commonly diagnosed with with more women being diagnosed with depression. And you know the the theme of this podcast is women's mental health, so. It's, I'm really glad that we're talking about this treatment tool because I don't think a lot of women are very familiar that this is actually an option to treat depression.
1: Yeah, It's wonderful to have, to have a different option, especially if you know, a lot of folks don't respond to that first antidepressant and then they don't really respond as well or they have side effects to the second one or the third one. And it's wonderful to have a different option at that point.
0: And so for those who are listening, who might be struggling with depression or some of the other conditions that you mentioned, when should they consider TMS and, and how would they go about accessing, accessing that treatment?
1: Yeah. So I would say, so again, the main indication um, for TMS, the main application at this point in time is treatment resistant depression. Treatment resistant, there's a little bit of subjectivity to that. There are the FDA studies, as well as there's some public insurance program that's a treatment resistant is after you fail or you cannot tolerate the side effects of one antidepressant then you could even start considering TMS but most classically in most studies as well as most insurance providers and treatment resistance is defined as after two two unsuccessful antidepressant trials practically probably after antidepressant number three that doesn't work antidepressant four that doesn't work then I think it's a reasonable time to start thinking about uh, non-medication options like TMS.
0: So if there's a woman out there who, who has depression and maybe she's she's tried an antidepressant and either it didn't work or she had significant side effects and she's done that a couple of times, then she could consider TMS. And it sounds like based on what you said, it's a treatment option that is covered by insurance. Yes.
1: Yeah. Her treatment, all I believe all insurance companies, if not most of them, have coverage policies for TMS for treatment resistant depression. Because OCD and smoking cessation are now FDA approved, I'm going to pre- hopefully predict that in the future, most insurance companies will probably come out with coverage policies for those indications as well.
0: For those who are listening, who are clinicians, how would they decide whom to refer to? TMS treatment. Are there certain um, individuals that tend to do better, and and would be a better kind of candidate for this versus others who might not be as good of a candidate?
1: Yeah. So I would say after one, two, three, four antidepressant trials that didn't uh, were not successful, um, I it's, it's time to consider more interventional um, options, um, including TMS. The only absolute contraindication um, to receiving TMS is because a TMS works by using an electromagnet. If there's any ferromagnetic material, meaning a type of metal that responds to a magnet located in the head, that's an absolute contraindication because then it would respond to the TMS. If there's metal, let's say a medical implant device or for an object, maybe in the neck or the upper chest, like for example, a stent or pacemaker, then it's kind of evaluated on a case by case basis. I see. Okay.
0: And then, so what about women who might be pregnant or breastfeeding? Because one of the things that we often think about is kind of the, the the potential risks or side effects of medication in the context of pregnancy or breastfeeding. So, would what kind of would DMS be a safe option for for those
1: those patients? Yeah, interesting question. So let's start with. Breastfeeding. I actually think that TMS would go actually quite well with breastfeeding, that as opposed to medications, you don't have to worry about the TMS quote getting into the breast milk like medication can. Mm-hmm. TMS yeah. has a blood treatment, it affects the mother, doesn't affect the, the newborn. So I think that that's a viable option for breastfeeding mothers to have. The caveat is that there are very few studies done on specifically for breastfeeding women, for pregnant women, that if we don't have a lot of data. We don't have any data to say that it doesn't work, but the types of studies that we can do on pregnant women because of safety reasons, ethical reasons, are very different than how we do studies um, on non-pregnant people. So the data says that TMS is effective for, for pregnant women with depression. As far as we can tell, it has no effect on the Cetus or the newborn, but the studies are small. So if a pregnant woman came into my office with depression, curious about TMS, I definitely would consider her for TMS as a good option. But we'd have to have a discussion about the pros and cons and why maybe other things that have been around for longer and more well-studied, have more data behind it, not a good fit for her.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough because I think Pregnant patients are one of the most underserved in the research world for the reasons that you just mentioned. You know, the challenges with studying women who are pregnant for various kinds of treatment options. And so it's tough because it sounds like this could be a really good option, but we just don't have an abundance of data. Although, from a breastfeeding perspective, it does make sense because, you know, there's nothing that's transferred into the breast milk, it's just TMS for mom. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so what about logistically speaking from like a time investment of of TMS, can you share with listeners a little bit more about what that's like? Because my understanding is that there's definitely a significant time investment to engage in this kind of treatment. But then I also heard that there were some newer options that could be effective in, in less time. Could you share with us a little bit more about that?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, one of the, kind of the big pra- limitations of TMS is the practical limitation um, of time. A standard protocol for how to apply TMS is once a day, Monday through Friday, one treatment per day for about 36 to 38 treatments. So five days a week, that sums up to me around seven and a half weeks. And the typically the onset of effect, if we're going to have an antidepressant effect, it doesn't kind of kick in until you noticeably, know, maybe around week three or week four. So that's a bit, actually that's a bit similar to if you start an antidepressant onset effect that's usually around kind of week four. The benefit of, so you asked, to why would you do TMS over a medication? One of the benefits of TMS that I didn't mention before is that the chances of an antidepressant working once you hit um, trial number two trial number three trial number four it gets kind of mm-hmm. lower and lower as you go whereas TMS even though the onset of effect is, takes a few weeks the how efficacious how effective it is is around up to 60 percent of people who go through a full course of TMS those full seven and a half weeks 60 percent have a positive effect that's, that's amazing,
0: 60%, because you're talking about patients who already have gone through a number of other, you know, treatment options and, and haven't been successful.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it might be well worth the time investment if you've tried a number of other op- medication options before.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so what about this newer option that I've heard about recently?
1: Yeah, no, you're probably referring to the SAINT trial that's, that came out of Stanford. So standard course, seven and a half-ish, what Stanford is looking at it is the question of can T must be effective for depression if we apply a greater number of treatments per day for fewer number of days. And they were looking at about 10 treatments per day for five days, and it's shown to be effective to this point. I'm not aware of any studies show any head-to-head comparisons between accelerated TMS in St. Trout versus standard TMS, the seven and a half weeks. So that's probably an interesting area of study going forward, but it is a, a good thing to consider. For example, in the inpatient setting, if there are more acute symptoms that we really want to treat as fast mm-hmm. as we can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Or if there is, or if the patient can't invest an amount of time traveling to the TMS location every day for seven and a half weeks. Yeah. The, probably the the practical limitation is for right now, most insurance carriers are covering only the standard um, application of TMS, one treatment per day.
0: That makes sense. Okay. Okay. And so if someone was interested in, you know, maybe speaking with an expert such as yourself on, you know, is TMS a reasonable option for me?
1: How do folks go about finding that? In their area. For folks who are in the Bay Area, you um, could go on to the site for Lightworth, Baypsychiatric.com. Um, Likeworth is Bay Psychiatric Associates. We have multiple locations across the Bay. If they're interested in other options or options outside of the Bay Area, the easiest way to do that we'll probably go to the website, the Clinical TMS. And as part of their site, there's a directory to find the TNS provider in there.
0: That's great. And I'll be sure to include both of those links in the show notes page for for those who are listening. You can find those at the the show notes page later. So any other kind of important information or other things that you want listeners to be aware of for TMS as a treatment tool? Anything else you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, I think the most kind of common concern uh, that patients have when coming to see me is I I know what psychotherapy is. I know what medications are. They're not working for me, but I'm really, really nervous about this new thing called TMS. Mm-hmm. It's very different um, than how traditionally thought of psychiatric intervention. But I've never had a patient say it was scarier than they thought it was going to be. Oh, my! I should say it was a lot less scary and much easier and not not. Not not similar to what they thought it was going to be. Basically, practically, you come in, you sit in a big comfy chair, like at the dentist, and what the magnet looks like, it's it's either encased in a helmet or it's the size of a hand, kind of on a swinging arm. And then you apply it to the head. And basically, what it practically feels like is um, someone tapping on your head for about 15 to 30 minutes. You're oh. awake to the home. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, and there's, there's some tapping noise um, that sound like um, anybody who's ever had um, an MRI, that tapping sound you hear when you get an MRI, that's a sound, a um, similar sound for the TMS machine. You're awake the full-time, so you drive yourself to the office, you drive yourself home, uh, people do it in the middle of the day, their lunch hour, between, in between going to work, before work, after work, so it's a lot more friendly. <laughs> some people think it is. Some people think that they're going to be shoved into an MRI machine for thirty minutes every day. And it's not that.
0: Yeah, well, that's helpful for for I think listeners to hear because, like you said, it's it's unfamiliar. You know, we're all familiar with getting a prescription, and you know, many of us are familiar with what talk therapy is like. But this is definitely a, a less familiar type of treatment tool. And it sounds like it's a really good option to consider for, for folks who may have not necessarily responded well to other types of treatment options and, you know, who are definitely struggling with depression or some of the other conditions that you mentioned. And it's definitely a tool that is a lot less scary than maybe we imagine it might be.
1: Exactly. I think yeah. this is uh, IVP, an original psychiatry. It's, it seems like it's going to be the next kind of frontier of psychiatric t- treatment, to kind of give patients um, different options. Yeah, so I think where it's going to enter into consideration more often. Yeah, I
0: think we definitely need a wide variety and, and more options in in the mental health space. So it's it's great that we're definitely adding to that. Any final pearls?
1: I would ask patients as well as clinicians to learn more about it and consider it. And considering evaluation, just because you come in for an evaluation doesn't mean that you have to go through it. the evaluation could just be learning about what the process is, what it means. It just has space to associate with TMS rather than just reading um, uh, online about a loud <laughs> machine that makes a lot of noise on your head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So for folks listening, you know, if you're considering this, really consider getting that consultation And making sure that you get all of those questions that you might have answered in in the context of that consult. So thank you so much again for, for joining me here for this podcast episode. It was really great to have you answering these important questions. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.